kid. <laughs> We're counting down the seconds. And uh, I don't know if Ms. Garduno is still watching, but hello, thank you for seeing us on Facebook Live. And I'm going to start fading it out. It's kind of a process to get actually recording. Okay. Don't worry, Jimmy. I am your prisoner. <laughs> For 45 minutes? Okay, we're live. Now I'm going to check our signal on Kirks.com, Kirkstudio.com. Just to make sure we're live so that this isn't off or not. And with me in the studio is Billy Chaffee. Hello, sir. Hello, Jimmy. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Very fine, very fine. And there's our, if you've never been on KirkStudio.com, which if you're listening, chances are you, you're on KirkStudio.com. But in a few seconds, we're going to hear our signal. Are we live? No, we're not. So now we are. Okay, now we're live on azradio.com. See, that's why I do this. Okay. <laughs> we could have gone. Okay, is, there we are. So there, we were checked. I know. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, now let's do a show. All right, Mr. Chaffee, sir. Mr. Chaffee, okay. Thank you for being on our show, AZ Radio, presented by Kirk Studio for the Performing Arts. Jimmy, I'm honored. Oh, gosh. Honor is all ours because uh, you were very instrumental in us launching the station. And before I get into what I want to get into, because it's just amazing, you have a new album coming out. Yes, I do. And uh, yeah, it's please. on uh, Chromadyne Records yep. or whatever. Now they call it, whatever they call it now. <laughs> you, <laughs> did they change their name? Chromadyne? Well, no, they're Chromadyne, but I'm, I don't know if they call it records anymore because, uh, uh, you know, yep. I'm from, I'm an old geezer, so I'm, I still think of them as records. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, I do. It's called uh, Radio Heartbreak, and uh, it's going to be out within the next, I guess, next month or so. Sweet. And we're just getting we've just getting down to uh, picking out the tracks for the record. Right. And you've been working on this album for how long? long? Well, uh, for actually uh, for the almost a year. Wow. Over a year. But I've it's been like whenever I can get in the studio, I go. Yep. Yep. And the same thing with the um, my producer Olivier Zom. Whenever you know we get, whenever we have the time, we go in because he runs his studio, of course, and his label. And at the same time, I'm working and teaching all the time. Yep, yep. And that's success. <laughs> It'd be a bummer if that's all I had to do and that was it. I mean, yeah. fortunately, you're a busy person. No, it's, I, I'm. I'm. I consider myself a very lucky guy. Cool. That's and a mo and everybody I speak to or even know that knows you agrees wholeheartedly, which um, I basically wrote down a list of all my favorite songs that I've been listening to for the past six months, okay. and um, but I don't want to. I, I still want to talk about your new release. Um, where will people be able to purchase this new album? iTunes, all the usual uh, for big, downloads. Yeah, and I, iTunes and um, uh, Amazon. Of course, yep. all this, all the regular sources. Chromadyne's a very legitimate independent label, and they have. Uh, it'll be available basically all over the world. 
great. And he's uh, doing a lot of stuff now. The label's doing a lot of stuff in Europe and in the wow, Orient. That's so great. Any videos for this? There'll be two videos. Nice. We've, we've done two videos. We'll oh, see if awesome. I know one. We'll see the light of day. The title track, which is Radio Heartbreak, but we'll the um, we did another one too. I don't know where what if we're gonna release that or not, but mm -hmm. it's kind of cool. Oh. So and that'll those will be on YouTube. Yep. Anything else? Well, you know. It's like once they go viral, then it's taken off. So, well, one thing that it, that it is is I I play every Sunday night at Sapore d'Italia nice in Fountain Hills. Well, that's with my partner Rich uh, Alfano. Rich Alfano, and yeah. Yeah. we have a good time doing okay. that. And I'm there every every Sunday night from six to nine. And Jamie is right behind the window. Hallelujah. We we would exist without Jamie. That's for sure. really well. You know, enough of this talk. Do you want? What would you like to do? Would you like to play a song? And I've got accolades. Believe me, pages of accolades. Uh, well, <laughs> but um, I don't want to bore you. I, you know, uh, I'll play something. Okay. I'll play something because I don't want to bore everybody. <laughs> Hopefully, this won't bore you. <laughs> no, nothing. This is a song uh, that I wrote. Uh, my wife and I rescue boxers and. Um, we over 25 years we've been re rescuing boxer dogs and uh, unfortunately boxers don't live that long so you have to uh, sometimes you have to put them out of their pain and misery and <clears throat> the last time that happened with me I um, I wanted to write a song about him because I held the dog in my arms and my uh, wife was singing to him and then he left his body and I came home and I was really upset you know and I wanted to write a song about my dog because I was always fascinated with the idea that he, uh, he'd get up on the bed and he'd start falling asleep and his eyes would flutter and his legs would move and then he'd like growl. And I always thought, well, I wonder what he's, he's dreaming. And I wonder what he's dreaming about, if he's chasing something or chasing a squirrel or something. And uh, so when I had sort of a dream myself, I dreamed about a young boy who uh, was given a dog by his father, and he names the dog Robert E. Lee, and uh, he grows up with the dog. So this is called, And He Runs. I remember the day my father said, boy, come and see. Let me introduce you to this hound named Robert Lee. So small I held him in my arms, and squirming he broke free. And we ran off through the fields as Lee was following me, and we'd run. I don't know what we were chasing Yeah, we'd run Oh, how we'd be racing Cause we were wild and we were young I would call and he would come And we'd run Sometimes it's so hard 
when you're growing up I don't know if he would have survived without that mongrel pup and on the day my father died Lee stood by my side and we ran off through the fields as Lee watched me cry and we'd run oh how we'd be racing yeah we'd run i don't know what we were chasing we were wild we were young i would call and he would come and we'd run When he was older, laying on my bed He'd fall asleep, begin to snore And I'd broke his gray head Then his eyes would move in the dark His legs would twitch and then he'd bark and he'd run Last night I held him in my arms as we put him to sleep And my wife she sang to him as we listened to him breathe And I knew that he trusted us, we'd never do him wrong those aged legs would be limber soon then Lee was gone but we'll run cause I know it's time we're chasing yeah we'll run cause it's something we're all facing and I know when that day comes I will call, and he will come, and we'll run. Oh, we'll run. Yeah, we'll run. It's only time we're chasing. We'll run. I remember seeing you perform that about a year ago at the Ice House. Remember that? Oh, yeah. That yeah. was the first time when I met you and you said, hey, come on down and see me play live. And I did. And it was wonderful. <laughs> great, great venue for original music. And that's off of your latest CD, right? Yes, actually, that is. And uh, well, we, we, we recorded it for it. So I, I have about 15 tracks wow. and I got to cut them down to like about 10. So we'll see what makes it and what doesn't True. make it. And then. We'll have some left over for another one. Yep. And what's the name of that album again? Radio Heartbreak. Radio Heartbreak. And it's going to be released in a month. A okay. month or so, depending. We have, you know, I don't have a firm date, but it's going to be in about a month. Because yeah. as I said, we've got to get in. Some There's a couple of tracks that have to be mixed. And then there's a couple of, you know, we got to go through the songs and see which kind of are appropriate for the, sure. for the you know, when, when I'm, when I do a record, this is like my 
seventh or so solo wow. record. And I've been making solo records since like uh, 1984. Wow. <laughs> and I, I only, I don't do them all that often. I probably do one every five or six years. Mm -hmm. And um, I, but when I do a record, I want it to be like conceptual in a sense, you know, mm -hmm. not, not like Sergeant Peppers or anything like <laughs> that, but I think of the songs as reflecting a time in my life, you know, that I'm, you know, something I've, uh, an, uh, a period that I've gone through in my, in my life. So every, <clears throat> I try to make the songs sort of reflective mm -hmm. of that period. Like I did a, a record a few years ago called American Episodes. And that, I, that was sort of at the end of my long period of touring where okay. I, I would been on the road averaging like 10 days a month for like 20 years. And, wow. you know, from the early 80s up until the very, very early part of the new century yep yep not 2001 and oh, yeah. that's when i moved here yep. so american episodes has you know it's kind of like a it talks about different places and different sort of people that i've met and it's it's connected by musical vignettes which i you know it's a 14 page booklet and it has like you know some i guess you'd call it prose poetry and stuff i make a comment about the instrumental sections and then the original music I make a little comment about each one of the songs and how, you know, I kind of did it because I could. I yeah, had a, yeah. a financial uh, person who was really backing the record and um, uh, had a great, uh, I had two great, um, one guy mixing it and then uh, the producer Val Garay, who was a, um, a Grammy award winning guy. He did... Uh, Betty Davis eyes. He was producer. Wow. He was producer of the year. He's worked with everyone on the planet, and for some reason, he liked my <laughs> my manager. <laughs> my manager gave him um, rough mixes of the record. My late manager at the time, and he loved them. So out of the blue, I thought I was done with it, you know, and uh, he all of a sudden got involved and he mixed like three or four of the tracks. Wow. He picked out the ones he really liked, and then he re he remixed them, and they're great. You know, they can tell you can tell they have the hand of him. And then the other part of it was uh, done mixed by a guy named Barry Rudolph, and Barry Rudolph is uh, uh, another. He's an old dear friend, and he's he's got like thirty or forty gold albums and wow. platinum albums that he's he's worked with Waylon Jennings and. The, um, Leonard Skinner and you know Rod Stewart, all those. He's been he's been the engineer for on many great records, Hall and Oates, you wow. know. So he's an old friend. We we used to hang out together, and he mixed, he's mixed two of the Billy Chaffee and the Monte Carlo's records. Wow. And uh, he and the third, the second one, yeah, the second one was co was co done by Valgaray and by Barry. Wow. What are some of the titles that they did? Just so I. I can look at my list and say, well, oh, that's well, right. Uh, Val did, he remixed uh, There's No Easy Way, and he remixed... Um, is that the same as uh, um, Shortcut to the Promised Land? No. That, oh, no, okay. No. Um, uh, he did... Um, Shortcut to the Promised Land. <laughs> that's on Americamera. Oh, yeah. That's on Americamera, which is a whole other deal. Okay. You know? <laughs> like I said, there's been a lot. I lose track of it, too, myself. You know, I'm... I'm well, either old or I'm getting absent-minded, but there, after 
American episodes. Yeah, yeah. That was done. That was the last thing I did in L.A. Okay. Before I moved. Wow. Uh, I moved here, and it, yeah, I had done the mixes, and then I basically moved here in 2002. Okay. And, uh, and as I said, the reason why I, the record kind of came about because I was sort of consciously and unconsciously, I was ending a phase in my life. And wow. that's when... Um, you know, after that, I did this record called Objects in the Mirror. Yep. And that that record also reflects a period in my life. Yeah, and, great and, album. I love it. Yeah. The I, snare just pops. It was that. kind of ahead of its time in a way. Yeah. I mean, really, uh, it's been re-released. Yep. yep. And it's uh, after 10 years. It yeah. was the 10-year anniversary of it. And... The song sounds so fresh still. It does. It it's sounds... Like, you know, and I didn't think about it. It was Olivier who wow, was the co-producer nice. of the record, and uh, he—he—he's the one who said, "You know, I've been listening to this, and I really like it a lot." Well, Radio Heartbreak. What is that saying? Is that what? What's this? I mean, how did you come up with that title? It's sort of nostalgic. I was oh. thinking of—I don't know. I got into you know one of the things about getting older is that you know your friends die. Mm. And uh, and I'm getting older, and you know I'm very conscious of it, and not in a negative way, not in a negative way. As I said before, you know I I consider myself lucky, you know. And I at one when I started teaching at Kirk's, I hadn't done much teaching. I when I came to Arizona, because I had been a writer. And uh, aside from my musical career, I also used to write for a lot of musical uh, publications. Mm-hmm. I was a contributing editor to, to Guitar World. Mm-hmm. I, I was a contributing editor to Cream Magazine, which is a famous rock and roll magazine. I'm really honored. Oh, yeah. I remember to Cream. Be, to have done, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I was their musical instrument editor. Cream. And, mm-hmm. and I did a bunch of interviews and stories for them. And I still know some of the guys. I mean, they were really, you know, they, they were like a great magazine. Yeah. They're considered probably um, alongside Rolling Stone, which yeah. they'd probably be insulted if I said that, <laughs> uh, as the, you know, the premier rock and roll um, record, uh, uh, premier rock and roll magazine of the golden era, you yeah. know, from the 70s into the 90s. You know, they really, you know, let me let me tell you some things from I listen to AZ Radio a lot and I <clears throat> excuse me and these are the things I have to say about your music and I, you've probably heard this before but your words say so much you are the master of poetry saying <laughs> volumes with just a few words cuz I've listened I don't you know your music your words just connect and um so you're a poet a storyteller well I wouldn't consider myself a poet well you have to have the, I know some the words rhyme they rhyme well yeah <laughs> but but you know i this is something that uh well americamera for example is a collaboration between myself and a poet named tr hummer yep. and as he says so eloquently that americamera began as a conversation between two writers one a poet and one a songwriter and as i was i've always been the lyric writer for in any collaboration I've been if not all of the lyrics a good part of it I always have 
a lot of input on the lyrics. It first started because no one else would do them, you know, back in the 70s. But it, but at the same time, I, I, I'm deeply involved in that. Um, and the lyrics mean everything to me. And as I say to my students, you get half the money for the lyrics. Come on, it says music and lyrics. So, yeah, yeah. you know, so you have to pay as much attention, if not more, because it, the lyric is what people remember. Most of the time, people aren't really even singing the correct melody to the song. They're singing the lyric. Are you going to use the same sound that you've created for your prior albums for American Actually, or, what's no. Radio Heartbreak? No, that's a great question, boy, I tell you. you you're on the right, right <laughs> Well, you, you mentioned that to me one day, that it's going to sound different, and I'm wondering. Well, there's some... Okay, uh, if I was going to say anything, I think the record is sort of divided into, like, two sections. One, the, one is has a lot of acoustic stuff on it, but acoustic in an odd sort of way. We've used a lot of, um, we've used some loops, and we've used, uh, you know, we've used some unusual instruments. We used a, like a, a Middle Eastern stringed instrument that's played with a bow. I don't even, can't remember the name of it. Olivier found these guys. And then we've used uh, this new, um, it's like a, a steel pan. They're made in Switzerland and France. And it's like a pan drum, you know, with the notes, oh, okay. you know, a steel, a steel drum. drum. But it's a way more refined. And you use a different technique to play it. You huh. somehow, you know, you, you rub against it and it creates a. And we use that on Radio Heartbreak, the title song. Wow. And cool. Radio Heartbreak, the mix is very electronic. Oh, which, wow. And it began as an acoustic song, but. You know, Olivier is a really uh, innovative producer, and you know he's he's great at sort of twisting things around. Mm -hmm. And I I liked it because one of the you know I was one of the records I really liked in the um, '90s was Beck's Mellow Gold, mm -hmm. you know, and I loved his uh, song Loser. Yeah. And <laughs> the reason I liked it was I liked the idea that he had sampled Midnight Rider, the Allman Brothers tune. There's a guitar part in there, acoustic, you know, that goes... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Right, that's in there. Wow. He sampled that is so it. so cool. Yeah, there's a sample of it. I think it's Midnight Rider. It sounds like it to me. Wow. And it's acoustic. And I like the idea that he was using the acoustic uh, music with, like, a hip-hop beat. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and a loop. And I and I I'm not the only person that thinks like this. That's for <laughs> sure. But I mean, I so on this record, um, I, uh, I we use some of that. We cool. use quite a bit. And then the other and then there's another part of the record. That's one of the reasons why we have to pick out what's going to be on the record because there's a lot of acoustic type stuff as well. Yeah. We recorded a, you know quite a bit of that, mm -hmm. you know. And then some are one one record one tune which will probably pretty much definitely make the record, is a, a song called Middle Age Rage. Oh, okay. And on that record, I have Michael Bruce from Alice Cooper's band. Nice. And the guy, he's a good friend, and he wrote um, Schools Out. He's yep. one of the, yeah, he's, and he wrote, he was co-writer of all their hits. Wow. And with Alice. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy, and he's a good friend, and uh, his wife used to play bass in my band, right. and, and we're very close, and... Uh, uh, so he's playing on it, 
So nice. the two of us are doing like a couple of guitar things, which is fun. Okay. And it's a it's an old school Rolling Stones type rock and roll nice. song. And um you know, and then there's there's other tunes on there, one of which I'm gonna play today okay. is that uh is a really, you know, very acoustic sort of ballad. Uh-huh. You know, so I gotta you know, what we have to do is kind of find out how the record ebbs and flows by have uh, using we have more tracks than we need, so we need to see how it you know, the ebb and flow of it. Nice luxury. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. I you mean, know. it's sort of tough to make the cut. <clears throat> it's like, wow. You know, I I write a lot, and uh, I would say that it, it's as I get older, it's harder for me to write songs on my own or songs that are reflective of, uh, that look at me as an artist because I'm past, I'm well past my cell date. and and, uh you know i have no illusions or delusions about anything like that and most of the most when i'm making recording i'm really doing it for no other purpose than the purpose of doing it well let me go over this list go ahead my uh mississippi more or less that's three times a charm i mean i've got a page full of masterpieces here um but I've always wanted to ask, Mississippi more or less, is that about a gentleman that is spent time in prison and then... Has, oh, yeah. Well, oh, wow. it's all about... Um, now, that's a song that Terry Hummer and I wrote together. Okay. And he brought a poem that he had written. The way we worked, did Americamera, was we just... He would bring me a poem. Uh-huh. And then I would take the poem and I would write something else to the poem. And I would change it I would move it around sort of to verse and chorus so it had the structure of a song and then I would I would write or might write some things to go along with it would Mississippi more or less is the that's the best one we in some ways the way we feel about it because mm-hmm. it was the culmination of once again a conversation Terry is from Mississippi mm. and I I have played in Mississippi mm. When I was working with the Pointer Sisters, we had a gig in uh, in Mississippi at one of the gambling casinos, mm-hmm. and we were driving from Me- Memphis through the Delta. Mm-hmm. It's about seventy-five miles from Memphis, Tennessee, to uh, to uh, Tunica, uh, uh, Tunica, Mississippi, yeah. Tunica, Mississippi, which is where all the sort of gambling casinos are. And we got, for me, I was driving through the Delta and it was all empty and it was dark and it was mysterious. And I kept thinking, oh, this is where Robert Johnson and all these great blues guys. So when Terry brought that, he is from Mississippi. He was born and raised in Mississippi. There's a heavy racial overtone in that song uh, that has to do with the sort of inherent racism that's been going on going on there for hundred years 200 years you know even post-civil war and and we we've talked about it a lot and Terry Terry had to deal with it on a daily basis and I had to deal with it on a very momentary basis so the song has to do with like our own sort of pictures that were in our brain of Mississippi and the idea of sort of wandering through Mississippi as like a, because your words are so descriptive blind freight to where Brian, we took a blind freight to Chicago, took the uh, chrome 
chrome club car to L.A. Yeah, and that is all words that you have to understand that culture to be able to write that way. And I go, well, wow. The other thing about Mississippi is uh, you either stay there or you leave. Okay. I mean, I know that sounds simplistic and stupid, but some people spend their whole lives trying to get out of Mississippi. Wow. And then Three Times a Charm, man, that makes me smile every time I hear that song. You take a, a serious subject and you make it fun. And you, you have such a way of making life sound like, don't take it so serious. Just live it and make the best of it. Well, That's we what I had, did. That song has a really interesting uh, history to it because one of my dearest friends mm-hmm. is a, uh, he's a instructor and a grad. He, he spent a lot of time in jail. And uh, he got out, and then he decided his life was going to change completely. And it changed so much. Uh, He wound up graduating from ASU with honors, and he went to, you know, uh, whatever, I can't remember what the name of the honors school is. Uh, Then he got it uh, accepted at Columbia University, and he got his MFA at Columbia, and he had a... Uh, a novel published, you know, and he's had many, many publications as a writer. He's been on, you know, uh, television and all that kind of stuff. And he's one of my best friends. We met at Scottsdale Community College and uh, when I went back to school. Uh And we kind of uh, bonded because we were like the non-traditional students and the older guys and whatever. And uh, he now teaches uh, at the same place I do, which is Mesa Community College. And uh, we see each other every day. <clears throat> and uh, he's my best friend. And that song is specifically written about him. Wow, what an honor. Yeah. And it's great. Yes. I mean, I say listen to our station for hours and you will hear all these songs. I'm going to run through some of these real quickly. Um, Inside Groove, that's like a Monte Carlo song. From Inside the Track. Inside yeah. Track, okay. Yeah. Daddy's Gone. Um, the words to that are just phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> I, and Go Johnny. If you're a musician, you know Go Johnny very well. From, from well, Johnny be good and everything, but the uh, it's about a relationship that um, just sort of happened, and, <laughs> and it's also the idea of um, musicians. Many musicians I knew, especially in the '70s and '80s, yeah. you know, they'd be with their girlfriend, and sure. ex- next thing you know nature happens and that changes their lives and you have another song that sort of augments that that's hometown girl yeah and these are all you know if you're a musician you can relate with all this and you have to be inside to see the understanding of the way people think when you're at that level so it's amazing i was very much uh, i couldn't wait to leave where <laughs> i was born and raised which is albany new york wow. and it's funny you think of now i now that i'm much older I'm thinking that eventually, not for many years, but uh, hopefully, I'll wind up back there. And that's, you know, the idea of your, you know, you make these circular kind of things. My, I'm the only one in my family that moved away. Wow. You know, I moved away when I was 17. I left home at 17. Then your uh, most beautiful song has to be Estranged. Oh, I, I love that song. It's beautiful. The way, who who uh, produced that one? Olivier. Oh, man, the horns at yeah. the end. And the, oh, the huh. French horn. There's a French yeah. horn in there that's really cool. Well. I love that song, uh, Estranged. And that's. Did you write the word, search, were you searching or running away? Was that you? Yes. That, oh, another masterpiece. 
That's about Del Shannon. Oh, that's about Del Shannon. Wow. You know, the Del, I was uh, privileged to be work with him at the end of his life, and uh, searching a runaway, running away. Those are the titles. Keep searching and run away are the titles of oh his two biggest songs. Wow! And Del Del um, took his own life, and uh, I. You know, I, I spent a long time processing it because uh, he, we were good friends. And I spoke to him the day uh, he did it. And it was a real shock to everyone because, you know, he had, uh, you know, it, it was a terrible shock. And uh, I spent a long time trying to think about it. And, and first I was mad at him, which is a common thing with people that do take their own lives. But um, then you kind of like, sort of reached this accommodation with him. And I had received the same time uh, a, f a photo from the mother of a friend of mine who had died. This is in Los Angeles, 30, 25 years ago, at least. And uh, yeah, Dell died in 1990, so there you go, it's 28 years. And uh, right after that, I received this picture of a young man who had died, and he was a very good friend of mine, and he, had, he got a disease, and. Uh, he just couldn't, he was really young and he was in the prime of his life. He was probably like 41 and, you know, he's just like a good guy and he died. And he, he didn't ask for that, you know. And, I, and Searching a, run, a Running Away has uh, elements of both of that. Okay. You know, the idea that fate is the way it is, you know. Dell made a decision and... If you asked my friend Ron about the decision, he would have said, no, are you crazy? You know, I had to, you know, die and I didn't ask for it, you know, yeah, and, yeah. you know, and fate is fate. That's, yeah. you know, so, it, you know, it's also some of my songs tend to be just discussions with myself about stuff. Oh. You know, it's not necessarily, a, uh, they're not necessarily supposed to be, you know, enlightening. Well, they're very intellectual well, discussions, believe me. Well, they're... I'm... Uh, I don't know about that, but I, I, you know, I know that I, a lot of songs tend to be conversations with myself about wow. things, and Searching or Running Away certainly is, you know, that. Nice. Yeah. Well, why don't we entertain with your wonderful okay. live performance? I'll have a, I'll have a, this is a song I wrote uh, about a friend of mine who moved away. We had been, in fact, hold on a second. Brian Herndon, remember him from KTGDS? He's tuned in and he says, hi, Billy. Hi, he, how you doing? He was the mentor of this whole thing that we're doing. So Great. So I had this friend and uh, she was a student here and uh, we were very close and she was one of my first great students and uh, she moved away and I, I hadn't heard from her in a while. And, you know, so I wrote this song and it was sort of like, very self-pitying, you know, and uh, of course she made a fool of me because as soon as I finished the song, literally that day she called me up, oh, wow. so it made me feel like a jerk. <laughs> but I got a good song out of it, and then when I played it for her, I told her the story, and she said, "Well, you got a great song out of it anyway." <laughs> I'll let you guys be the judge of. It's called um, "I Don't Know You Anymore."
You live. Messed up the words. Here we go. Do it again. You moved out to another part of town, and I don't mind telling you it's bringing me down. You don't call. You don't come around. I guess I know the score. I don't know you anymore. You got new friends, and you go in places. So don't pretend you miss those old familiar faces. Memories are an empty glass with lipstick traces left over from the night before. And I don't know you anymore. And old man time, he ain't a friend of mine, and I don't like his sisters rolling that. Love is so rare when it's on the vine, and then you pick it, it becomes a blue Valentine. I stare at my reflection in a puddle in the rain, distorted by the emotion and the wind and the pain. Now everything's the same. But everything's changed, 'cause you left long before you walked down that door. I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know you anymore. I don't know you anymore. Nice. Billy Chaffee. Yeah. Billy Chaffee. And that was Jamie Romero. Jamie, you want to pipe in? Yes, Jamie. We've got a mic for Say you. Say something. Add a little bit of dimension to our show. I'm just delivering the coffee. <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't I don't want coffee, but oh, Billy does, I think. Really? Yeah, Very Billy's kind of you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. We have we get coffee every day here. <laughs> I still have to teach this afternoon, so. Yep. Well, we we have s roughly about six minutes. Um, what would you like to cover in six minutes? Like uh, I think I would like to cover Kirk's studio. Oh, very good. Because without that, we wouldn't even be here. That's exactly right. Yes, sir. You know, the first, the way Kirk and I met is I about eleven years ago. I'm going on to my eleventh year teaching here, and as I said before, I'm. I didn't, uh, I never really taught much. I, um, when I came out here, I went back to school and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just, I did know I wanted to get a degree because I was the only one in my family that hadn't gotten an official degree. And I was expected when I was young to do really well in college and all that stuff. And I went off on the road and became a rock and roller. So I went back to a, to Scottsdale Community College and I was going to school there, and I was working. I was playing gigs all over the Phoenix area and whatever. And then one day, I was we lived around the block from here, 
And one day I uh, was returning a video at Blockbuster, <laughs> and I saw the sign that said Kirk Studio for the Performing Arts in the lobby here. And one of my rare students had told me that they had gone to a rock camp here. This is 11 years ago. And so I went, uh, I walked up the stairs. I said, you know, this is around the block from me, and I, why don't I know about this? So it was in August, and I, and I went up there, and it was kind of empty except for Kirk, who was here. And he showed me around, and then I said to him, hey, look, you know, if you, just out of the, off the top of my head, I said to him, hey, look, if you ever need a sub, I live around the block, so I could be here in like 10 minutes, and if you need a sub, you know, I'll do anything for money, you know, uh -huh. sure, right? sure, sure. and I'm a musician, right? You know? But you fill in, you don't sub. Yeah, right, <laughs> you fill in. So this is like 11 years ago, too, so, you know, a lot of changes have happened. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess he Googled my name or something because it gave him a business card, and, he, and then, or he was desperate, whatever, and on that Sunday night, he called me at my home, and he said, yeah, can you come in tomorrow because one of our... Uh, to do an immersion. Remember, it was the summer. Yeah. So I did that, and I mean, something happened to me when I when I did it. I uh, it was almost like the choir was singing because I really liked teaching. That's neat. And I and uh, I also felt that this was what I was supposed to do. Wow, that's because, great. Yeah, well, because I had done. Um, like I said, I was a lucky guy, and oh, granted, I didn't become, you know, the star that I wanted to be in when I was 25 or 30 or whatever, but, you know, music has been good to me in most of the ways, very good to me, and I feel like I've been lucky. I've had some incredible experiences, and I've been around some in amazing musicians. Uh, you know, I I've told people, like, you know, I'm a hack because some of the people that I have worked with, m most of the people that I work with, have always been just great musicians, especially in Los Angeles because it's kind of it kind of collects that. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's there to make it. You know, and uh, I've been really lucky. You know, and the Monte Carlo rule, my Monte Carlo rule, was never hire anyone who isn't better than you. You know, and I've I've actually lived that my life like wow. that. I always hire people who I think are better than me. Yeah. I don't want to tell them what to play. They should already know. And I got when I started teaching at Kirk's, I I just loved it, and I kept teaching more and more. And I I also was once again lucky because I had some incredibly talented students. They were great, and they it was like a a circular thing. They inspired me as I tried. To inspire them, and many of them, I've sit. Well, there's probably a half a dozen, maybe a dozen or so, of kids that I've actually written songs with, and there's at least uh, three or four that have, you know, become professional musicians. You know, not well, you that know, Kimmy is on our rotation. Kimmy. Oh yeah, right, yeah, yeah, Kimmy. Good she's stuff. she's one of the one of my students, and Kimmy, she's a wow, she's. Very special. She's yeah. extremely talented and uh, very smart. Too. And Oliver's very talented to be present, bring out that sound that she presented. And you wrote her song, helped her co-write the songs. I mean, well, it's I, just... I, you know, she wrote most of the, I think we've written two or three together, okay. four together. But Kimmy is a very singular mind. 
you know, and she's extraordinarily gifted writer. She is sensational. So her lyrics are good. Oh, <laughs> God. Uh, you know, it's humbling to, she's such a great, she has a, well, Kimmy has an, uh, an incredible mind. Kimmy is one of these people that, you know, uh, will make a contribution to the world. There, I, I've never been more, she's one of these people that I've never been more convinced of a student's, you know, she is special in that sense. I don't know, I, I, I doubt that she'll be a professional musician. She's capable of it. She's certainly talented enough to be a professional writer. But I think Kimmy is much more altruistic. I think she wants to contribute to the, the world and make the world a better place as opposed to make it, you know, just make it for herself. Callie Rohde is another case yeah. because Callie, from the moment I met her um, and she opened her mouth and started singing, I, I don't know, she touched my heart. And I always knew that she was, she had a, recently had a number one record on the Disney Channel. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. And uh, I never doubted for a second that Callie Rohde was not going to be, get, she would at least get her shot. Yeah. And Callie, if you're listening, please send us your music. We want to play it yeah. as long as we don't get sued <laughs> by your record company or something. <clears throat> well, yeah. Billy, we're, I want to get some voiceovers with you. Um, any last thoughts or words in? As appropriate, we're going to lead right into Am I the Fire? Great. So, well, I, I just think that uh, if people are thinking about studying music, they should give Kirk's a try. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so know, wholeheartedly. I mean, teaching at Kirk's changed my life yeah. and in a very positive way. Yeah. I love my students, yeah. and I also teach uh, English at Mesa Community College because that's what happened when I got. I was going to school, didn't kind of know what I was going to do, and then uh, going to Kirk's and teaching at Kirk's gave me the inspiration to go and get my, ma I got my master's degree in English, and I'm teaching English 101 and 102 in the mornings at Mesa Community College. Yep, and that's an ultimate success story that you just heard this past 45 minutes. Billy Chaffee, it's been our honor. Thank you, James. And it's been absolutely enthralling. I mean... If you want to be on the show, just let us know because we're booking now every Thursday. We're taking next week off because it's the spring break. But if your student wants to be on the show, it's Billy, you know, open arms, um, spread the word. We'll be doing this every Thursday beginning in two weeks. We may change the time, may make it more accessible for the teachers after they're done teaching, but we'll work with that. But it'll be on Thursdays. And any last words? Well, you, we should get some of the other teachers and students to play yeah, I, I'd be great because we got some really talented people here. And that's why we're doing this. We're going right. to play the music that our students create and that our teachers have created. And that's what we're doing. Well, sir, thank Thanks, you very Jimmy. much. My pleasure. This is AZ Radio presented by Kirk Studio for the Performing Arts. We're going to now bring you into a Billy Chaffee song. Am I the Fire? Is this a song that's... Did you invent that saying, am I the fire or just no, the fire? No, I ripped it off. We, me and Scott Richardson, John Heron, who is the third writer on this song, I said, I got a great title called, Am I the Fire or Just Another Flame? And Scott and I looked at each other and said, we're taking that. <laughs> All right. And so John and the three of us wrote the song. Very cool. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Bye-bye. I wanted to get that question because I've always wanted to hear that. I went, Did he write that? That's, that's a is... true story. You know, that's so cool. Nice. He said, I got this great time for a song.
soon as he said it, Scott and I, who were, we were staff writers at the time, said, you know what, Heron? We're taking that, that. We're giving you a third of the song, and shut up. We're going to write it. He got mad at us. Oh, I mean, he, but he came and he put it. He, re, he eventually recorded it himself. Wow. John, is, John died about uh, 20 years ago. And he, uh, he was a very well-known uh, studio guy in Los Angeles. He was part of that Oklahoma, uh, the Okie tradition, the Leon Russells and all that stuff of the world. He, uh, he knew all those guys, and he hung out with them. He was a really great player and a funky dude. Speaking of that. Listen. Um, I got to hit some voices. Okay, can I uh, have go for a smoke?